your alarm is going off right now. That's not a word from the Lord one of the deacons told me. So if that's you, go ahead and slip out. It'll be okay. It's out in the parking lot. So anyway, just wanted to let you know. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, hold them up this morning. I am excited about this message, so we're going to do our confession and get right into it. This is my Bible. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm excited about this series that I'm introducing today. And it's titled, The God I Never Knew. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys grow up in a Pentecostal charismatic church background? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you grew up in a church, an evangelical church, but it was not a charismatic Pentecostal church? Let me see your hands. Okay. So about half and half. The first service, the majority of folks in there were from a non-charismatic evangelical background. The reason I'm asking you that, because it has a lot to do with the message today. We're going to be talking uh, for the next few weeks about the Holy Spirit. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I always know, especially for those of us that grew up in an evangelical background or maybe a non-church background, we, we sometimes have an idea of who the Holy Spirit is, and it's not exactly what the Word says. You know, I, I grew up where my mom grew up Assembly of God, my dad grew up Methodist, so I kind of grew up in this blended household. And I remember as a young man going to my grandmother's church, the Assembly of God church, and it was a small country church, and I remember going in there, and I never really knew what was going to happen. You know, I would go and it would be like, I wonder what's going to happen this week because it was different from what I was used to growing up in the Methodist church. And it wasn't that it was bad, it was just different. But some of us have grown up where we understand who the Father is, God the Father. We get God the Father because we understand the concept of a father. We understand Jesus, he's the Son of God, came to earth, we understand that. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a disconnect. And I think part of the reason there's a disconnect is because how he's been portrayed, how we've seen other people present him, but also part of the name. What's another name for the Holy Spirit? The Holy what? Holy Ghost. Does that freak anybody else out but me? <laughs> you know, I mean, the Holy Ghost. I remember people, the, that, I mean, immediately you're like, you're the Holy Ghost. Well, what does that even mean? I mean, the Holy Ghost. I mean, I don't know, as a little kid, I was always scared of ghosts. I remember watching cartoons. There's Casper the Friendly Ghost. I mean, who is the Holy Ghost? What is this all about? So immediately there's a disconnect because not, he's not like the other two in the Trinity. At least that's what we believe. And what I want to explain to you today, especially those of you that are from a different church background or no church background at all, is I want you to truly understand who the person of the Holy Spirit is and what his purpose is in our lives. Amen? So let's get ready to do that. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. The, the title scripture I'm using is Ephesians chapter 4, but we're going to come back to that at the end of the service. Um, my goal today is really very simple. I want to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit in a way that allows you to see him for who he really is. So for the next 45 minutes or three hours, however long it takes me, I'm not going to do that. Um, but for the next little while, I want us to take some time, and I want you to sit back, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to forget all of your preconceived ideas of who the Holy Spirit is, and we're going to talk about who the Scriptures say that He is and help you to clearly understand. 
Let me ask you this question as we get started today. What distinguishes a person from a thing? What distinguishes a person from a thing? Yes, sir? A soul. Very good. Gold star right here on the front row. I did not pay him to say that, just so you know today. He's not my plant in the audience. A soul is what differentiates a person from a thing. And a soul is made up of three different parts. It's made up of a mind, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I want you to understand clearly, I'm going to state this right now. The Holy Spirit has these three things. He has these three things. Let's jump right into the, the scripture today. Matthew chapter 12, verse 18 says this. I'm reading out the NASB. Behold, this is God talking, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. God is saying he has a soul. God is saying my soul. Matthew 26, verse 38 says this, Then he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Hebrews 10, 38 says this, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So what I want to talk to you about today is how the Holy Spirit also has a soul. He has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. Number one, the Holy Spirit, he has a mind. That's your first blank. He has a mind. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this. This is God talking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. The Lord talking about his mind. Philippians 2 verse 5 says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question today. What would you say, you probably never thought of this before, but what would you say the Holy Spirit's intelligence quotient is, his IQ? What would you say it is? How smart is the Holy Spirit? Pretty smart. Genius. Unmeasurable. Very good. The Holy Spirit's intelligent quotient is unmeasurable, and here's why. He knows everything. The Holy Spirit knows everything. His mind, he understands everything. He was there, the Bible tells us, the Holy Spirit there, the Spirit was there in the very beginning. He knows it all. He knows it all. So here's the big thought. The Holy Spirit knows everything, right? And as a Christian, as a person that invites the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. In other words, the person who knows everything is living on the inside of you. How many would say that you, of you would say that your significant other, they, they know everything? Come on, raise your hand right now. You would say, oh, they know. They, uh, we call them a know-it-all, okay? They may be wrong, but they know everything, right? <laughs> but get this. The Holy Spirit really does know everything. He knows everything. And listen to this. The Holy Spirit has committed or is committed to help you, to teach you, and to lead you into all truth. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. John chapter 14, verse 26. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, but the helper, 
And then he says who the helper is. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Listen to this. Jesus said, he. Is a he a thing? He's describing him as a person. Jesus is saying he. But he not only says he as a person, he also says here's what he's going to do. He will teach you a couple of things. What does it say? All things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now this is important. This means the very Spirit of God, the presence of God, the third person of the Trinity, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and live in our lives, the co-creator of the universe who knows everything is living on the inside of you. That's impressive. And he says he'll teach us all things. Here's what I would challenge today. Are we listening? Are we listening? We'll try to figure it out in our own flesh, but we won't necessarily listen to what God has to say. And some of you, this is challenging your thinking, but hey, I'm just reading Scripture here, and I want you to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Let's look at the next verse. John chapter 16, verse 13. This is Jesus talking again. But when he, who's he talking about? The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will guide you into a little bit of the truth. All the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, the Holy Spirit hears from the Father and he can tell you about things that might be coming up in the future. This is a pretty good deal. So you're talking about The very presence and the power of God, the co-creator of the universe who knows everything, will live inside of me and will teach me. Yes. But here's the the second part. If, I love those two little words, I-F, or two little letters, I-F. If, we'll listen to him. Because here's the deal. You get the option to trump the Holy Spirit if you want to. You get to make your own decisions. And the Lord may lead you in a certain direction, but if you decide to do your own thing, guess what? You're going to do your own thing. And as we like to say around here, how's that working out for you? Because we have the option to choose to disobey the Holy Spirit. So here's a question for you. I want you to think about this today. If that's the truth, and we know it is because of Scripture, why would we not want to get to know the Holy Spirit? Why would we not want to get to know him if that's available to us, if that resource is available to us? Listen to me here. There are entire theological systems and and ways of thinking that have taught us that the Holy Spirit is a force or a presence, not a person. We've been taught, many of us, that the Holy Spirit is a force or a presence, not a person. You go, all right, Pastor, help me make sense of that. How many of you have ever seen Star Wars? Let me see your hands. Come on. Star Wars movie, okay? Very good. Most of you. The, the force. The force. And that's kind of how we'll think of the Holy Spirit. He's a force. He's not a person. He's a force. And so we begin to disassociate ourselves from this force. Unlike a person, we treat him like a thing. And the Holy Spirit is not a tool 
or a force to be used. But the Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit is a person that you need to get to know. So that's number one, the Holy Spirit has a mind. Number two, the Holy Spirit, He has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says this, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia. Y'all didn't know I know those words, but I do, I know stuff. The region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been, listen to this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I'm going to read that again. Paul and his companions were traveling through this area, but they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in a certain region. So the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a mind. He has thoughts because he's a person. He also has a will. He has a way that he does things. And he, in this situation, kept these guys from doing a certain thing till the proper time. Give you a little insight into my world as a pastor. There's a question that many people have, and statistically, this is the number one question that Christians have. And here's what it is. How can I know the will of God for my life? You guys ever ask that? How can I know what God's will for me is? In other words, what is God's plan for my life? Well, I'm going to help you understand a couple things here as a generality, but I think this will, will give you some insight. There are two types that I'm going to discuss right now, two types of God's will, okay? There's God's general will, the general will of God. And the general will of God is laid out in the Bible, okay? This is the way God does things. This is the way that God wants us to live. God, God teaches us things through this Bible. As an example, if you want to know how to have a good marriage, if you want to know how to have a good marriage, God has laid out how to treat your spouse in the Bible. It's in here. If you want to have good relationships with other people, God tells you how to have good relationships with people. I'm actually taking a course right now. One of my Bible courses is on conflict management from a biblical perspective. God tells us how to deal with conflict. It's all in here. How to manage your finances. How to do this. How to do that. God lays out his general will in here. How many of you have ever heard of a will that somebody's written? A, a will. Okay. What a will does is when this person passes away, the will lays out, hey, here's what I want such and such to have, and I don't want such and such to have anything because I don't like them, and blah, blah, blah. And the will kind of lays out the wishes of the individual, right? We understand this. So God's general will is laid out in here. But there's also another type of will that God has, and it's God's specific will. God has a specific plan for your life. As one example, just one, David one time was talking in the Psalms, and he said, all my days were written about me in your book. And I can imagine, and this is just the way Chris thinks, okay, that imagine up in heaven, there's this big library, and in this library, God's got a book with my name on it. And in that book, and I'm just making this up, but God has this plan laid out for my life, that if I were to follow his plan for my life, it would turn out like he wants it to turn out in that book. God has a specific plan, and I'll even give you more specifics. Another spe specific thing you might ask is, who am I going to marry? 
The general will is God may want you to. Yeah, he wants us to have good relationships. But then the specific one is what is her name? Who is she? And and here's the question that I have for you today. Who is going to show you God's specific will for your life? Who is the person of the Trinity that's going to do that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He has, he is the one that helps come into your life and direct your steps. The Holy Spirit is your guide. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, he comes alongside of us. The Bible calls him a paraclete. What that means is one who comes alongside you and carries the load, helps you carry the load of your life. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And I think it's an amazing thing that we live in this age, the time of the world that we live in. Remember back in the Old Testament, there would be generations that would never hear God speak. I talked a few weeks ago how the time from the last prophet until Jesus was born, there were hundreds of years that went by that there wasn't any recorded conversations between God and people. And yet after Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit is poured out on who? All flesh, everyone. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us. In other words, this resource, this amazing person is available for us to have a relationship with, which back in the Old Testament times, they didn't have that option. But that's available for us today. That's an amazing thing. So here's the question. If that's available to us, if we can know the Holy Spirit's will for our lives, what God's plan is for our lives, why don't we develop a relationship with him? If this is available, and this is really the big question of the day, why don't we develop a relationship with them? What's keeping us from having access to this person in the Trinity? Well, I've got some theories. The first one is, you think the Holy Spirit's weird. You think the Holy Spirit's weird. Because of how you grew up or what you were taught or theologically or maybe what you saw in life, you thought that the Holy Spirit was strange. You thought if the power of the Holy Spirit came into you, you were going to turn into something weird. Right? i got people in here going, yep, that's exactly right. And I'm going to give you a newsflash right now. You can write this down. You can put it on your refrigerator. The Holy Spirit's not crazy. People are crazy, Okay? So just know that right now. People may do strange things, weird things. And and I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit may not come on you and and different things may happen in your life. But the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to make you act crazy. The Holy Spirit is not crazy. People are strange. The Holy Spirit is not crazy. Another reason that I think people have challenges with who this Holy Spirit is is what I talked about early on, is we have a hard time understanding how we can have a relationship with someone that we really don't understand. The name of the Holy Ghost and these different things, it's hard for us to imagine having a relationship, and we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. See, here's the, here's the, the thing I want you to really understand today. You can't have a personal relationship with someone through someone else. You can't have a personal relationship with someone through someone else. Let me give you an example. Um, Let's just say, for instance, that a total stranger walked up to you and and your spouse was sitting over here. And this total stranger came walking up to you and you said, hey, 
Here's what I want you to do. This is my wife. See my wife over there? Yeah, that's my wife. I want you to go over to my wife, and I want you to ask my wife where she would like to go on vacation and what she would like us to do. Total stranger. So you send that person over there. What's your spouse going to do? Y'all are quiet. Y'all have never been quiet, ever. (laughs) What's your spouse going to do? Are they going to talk to me? Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to divulge everything. Is that going to happen? They're going to freak out. They're going to, no, you can't. But why are they doing that? The reason they're doing that is there's no relationship there. You can't have a relationship through a third party. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Let me break it down a little bit more. One of the questions or thoughts many of you may have grown up with or that you're thinking about right now is, and I've had people ask me, Pastor, would you pray about God's will for my life? I will absolutely pray about God's will for your life. But here's the deal. Who does God really want to talk to about your life? You. That makes it a little more personal, doesn't it? See, many of us feel like, well, pastor's got this direct relationship with God. Pastor has the bat phone in his office where he can just pick up the phone and call Really, that's kind of in your mind what you think. And so, pastor's got this direct connection, so I want to talk to God, i got to go to pastor. That's not the way it works. See, you have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, yourself. God sent his son to die for you, and I want you to get, if you never hear anything else I ever say from now on, hear this. Jesus died and rose again so that you could have a personal relationship with God. That's why he died. So that there would not have to be separation between you and God anymore. And we have this amazing opportunity for for God in, in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to come live with us. And he said he would never leave us or forsake us. And for a long time, I struggled with the fact that Jesus would talk to his disciples. And he said to them, it's a good thing that I go away because the Holy Spirit's going to come. That freaked me out. Why? Because you've got Jesus standing here. And Jesus is saying, I need to go so I can send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to live inside of you. Guess what? That means he's with you all of the time. And it's good that I go away. We need to get a grasp on that. I'll tell you another reason I think we have a problem with the Holy Spirit is that the devil works overtime to keep you confused about who the Holy Spirit is. Because here's the thing. If he can convince you that having a relationship with the Holy Spirit is wrong, he can prevent you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. Because he doesn't want you to have that personal relationship. And that's what God desires for your life. Here's the third thing I want you to get today. The Holy Spirit, He has emotions. The Holy Spirit has emotions. And remember what we're talking about here is that a person has three things, mind, will, and emotions. This is the last thing that the Holy Spirit has. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
against such things there is no law. And what this means is this is the personality of the Holy Spirit. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to live in our lives, we begin to produce this kind of fruit. Now notice I didn't say fruits. And the reason I don't say fruits is because some of us have this mistaken idea that we have some of these gifts and not all of them. But the truth is, when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the produce of our lives, what we produce, is not some of these things. It should be all of these things. It's one fruit. So imagine, instead of the gifts of the Holy Spirit being a fruit basket with bananas and apples and everything else in it, imagine the fruit of the Holy Spirit being like a bunch of grapes. They're all one thing produced on the same vine. Wow, that was good, man. That was awesome. I didn't tell the first service that. We need to write that down. I hope you're recording this, Marty. You know it. But, but really, think about that. It's all on one vine. It's all one fruit. Well, Jesus said that, didn't he? Because he talked about the vine and the branches. I thought I came up with something original. <laughs> but here's the point. The Holy Spirit brings those things about in your life. He is the agent that produces those things in you. And you have the ability to have that in your life. Final scripture. To show you how the Holy Spirit has emotions. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Listen, for we are all members of one another. We're all connected with each other. Be angry And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Another uh, verse says foothold. Do not give the devil an opportunity or a foothold in your life. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with someone who has need. That's an interesting thought. Listen to this next verse. Let no unwholesome word Proceed from your mouth, but only such words as are good for edification. And the word edification means to build up. According to the need of the moment. So that it will give grace to those who hear. And this is the verse I really want you to hear. This is the one I want you to circle or underline. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, the word grieve is not a word we use very much, is it? But let me replace it with a word that you'll understand. Do not hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Grieve. Do not hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Well, you can't hurt a thing's feelings. But you can hurt a person's feelings. And I want to unpack this a little bit because I think this is very important. What would hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings? What could it be that would make the Spirit of God grieved or hurt by us? Very simple word here. Sin. Sin. The Holy Spirit loves people and sin hurts people And it also separates us from God. Let me give you an example of separation, which means a a breaking apart of things. All right, listen to this, and I I think this is going to help you right here. Why do we grieve the death of a loved one? Why do we grieve 
over, over someone that's passed away. And, and I want you to hear this because I think this may help some of you on a, on a couple of different levels. Think about this. We grieve not because the loss of relationship, the relationship is still intact. I think of my grandparents that have passed away. I still have a relationship with them. There's still a relationship there because of the time we spent together and who they are. What I miss about them, what I grieve, is the fellowship. I miss the interaction with them. I miss the time that we got to talk or be together. That's what I miss is the fellowship. We miss the interaction with each other. So connect the dots here. What grieves the Holy Spirit is when we walk in sin in our lives. In other words, when we choose to, against, to go against God's will, which we've talked about, when we choose to go against God's will, what happens is the relationship is split. And that is what grieves the Holy Spirit. Because there's the loss of fellowship, the loss of relationship. And when we as Christians begin to understand that the reason that God sent Jesus to this earth was so that we could have relationship, we could be restored in fellowship with God, it cost him everything to restore that relationship. It begins to make sense why the Holy Spirit would be grieved when 